pastors every week. Now we talk about giving every week because every time we give an appeal for God so loved the world he gave. So we love to talk about giving here. We love to talk about giving hospitality. I'm trying to encourage you, hospitality. We talk about giving a great welcome. We talk about giving love and receiving love. We talk about giving forgiveness and extending forgiveness. But every two or three years, we talk about specifically how we can give of our finances. And we're writing that series today. Now, some of us, as soon as I mentioned finances, it can feel like this rucksack. Uh, Tim, just, is, I'm not saying he's the strongest guy in this here, in this room. I'm not, neither, neither is he the weakest guy. But just seriously, just pick that up. There's some weight in there, isn't there? It's full of books. I did, that's why I, I asked for somebody who's got a little bit more muscle, like Tim. Because it's full of books that are quite heavy. But this is what happens as soon as we talk about finance. And I'm trying to just trying to draw everybody in for the next 25 minutes. Because due to misconceptions around the area of finance, particularly when it's talked about in church, you know, it could be that we're living under a spirit of offense because of how finances were projected or even people like me misusing the congregation. I want you to know I'm not here to misuse. I'm not trying to extract anything from you. That's why I go back to the Bible. I'm going to teach from God's word this morning, okay? But because of misuse, because of misconceptions, because of, of, a, of a misunderstanding, you know, a lack of understanding, and also the spirit of this age, which I'll come back to, it could feel like we're carrying this heavy rucksack around. And I want you to know, if you carried this long enough, you'd begin to feel it. You'd begin to feel it on your back. You'd begin to feel it in your joints. And some of you have been carrying a rucksack around of finance. And my hope today is that actually we can take off the rucksack and we can be free. I was going to do a star jump then. Here we go. So my prayer this morning is that God would liberate some of us, all of us, in the area of finances. So Father, as I open your word, Please help me. Give us ears to hear what you wanted to say. And Lord, if there's anything of myself, I pray it would be disregarded. But all that comes from the heart of God for us here in Arena Church this morning, may we hear and Lord, may we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Because today I want to particularly address quite a, a tough subject called the, breaking the spirit of mammon. Breaking the spirit of mammon. It's all under the headline of the blessed life. A number of years ago, probably be five years ago, I taught from this uh, particular uh, subject. And we felt inspired as we just put the teaching team together and teaching to just try and help people to understand what we're talking about. Because it's a phrase that Jesus used. Let me just take for you, first of all, to a couple of Bible verses. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. They'll come on the screen. He says there, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Let's now look at Luke chapter 16 
and verses 9 to 14, because it says there, sorry, we'll read from verse 10 actually. He who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. And he who is dishonest in a very little thing is also dishonest in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of earthly wealth, mammon, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that earthly wealth, which belongs to another, whether God or man, and of which you are a trustee, who will give that which is your own? Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand devotedly by the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. That is your earthly possession or anything else you trust in and rely on instead of God. I also want to just continue, won't be on the screen, with verse 14. Because then Jesus went on to say, And the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. I missed that verse when I prepared it. And I only, as I was going over it again today, I thought I need to say that. Because the Pharisees who loved money heard all this. And they were sneering at Jesus. Four times the word mammon is mentioned in the Bible. And it's used three times by Jesus. And Jesus here says you cannot serve both God and mammon. He contrasts it, verse 13. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Why? Because both are vying for worship. Both are vying for praise and adoration. And it's interesting that Jesus uses the contrast with God and money. No, no, no other thing does he contrast. No other time does he say, he doesn't say you can't serve both God and your career. He doesn't say, say you can't serve God and your enjoyment. He says you cannot serve both God and money. This is the distinct contrast that Jesus is making in, in, in the scriptures and to us today. It's impossible. There's no halfway. You can't say, well, I love God and I also love money. No, no, no. He's saying it's impossible. It's impossible to love both. And here Jesus is trying to get our attention by saying he wants to be the one that we love and he wants to be the one that we worship. And he uses this phrase and he uses this illustration with the listeners on purpose. And he uses the word mammon on purpose. And I'll help you to understand why. Because some of you need to understand, well, what is mammon? Is it just money? No. The answer, the true answer to it is yes and no. Because it's wider than just money. It's actually talking about riches. God is saying you cannot love both God and your riches, your personal riches. And when he uses the phrase mammon, it was a very particular use of phrase because it's an Aramaic word that came from 
the people of Babel. And it means, it means the God of riches. You see, what happened was, is that uh, the, the people of Babel, and if you go back to Genesis in chapter 11, for those who know the Bible, you'll see that there was a people, there was a group of people that started to build a tower to get towards God. And God came amongst them and confused their language. He sowed confusion into them. And this is what happened here, that these people were so confused. And actually, at the very root of their building a tower was that they were saying, we have no need of God, we can get to God on ourselves." It was a spirit of arrogance and pridefulness. And this was the root of this word, because actually it was in this culture that they developed another small g God to mammon. They actually began to worship the God of riches. So Jesus wasn't just saying, are you still with me? He wasn't just saying, oh, it's money. He was saying, you cannot serve both God and the spirit of money. Have you got that? And I think it has a relevance, not only in the first century, but it has an incredible relevance in the 21st century. Because what it actually leads us into, as these people thought, as they built the tower, they thought that their confidence can rest on themselves. Or for some people, their confidence rests on their riches or on their money. And God is trying to say to us today, and he was, Jesus was saying in that context, listen, don't build your confidence, build again your confidence upon how much you have or even on how little you have. Don't build it upon riches, build it upon me. Build it upon me. He was also contrasting the thought that Mammon, he, he looks for followers, it looks for servants because it says you cannot serve two masters. That's interesting, ha huh? It says you cannot serve two masters. You see, Mammon is looking for followers and servants. And this is the sad thing. Many today look to Mammon and they don't even know it. Now, I want to just smash something as well at this. And I think it's an important junction because some of you have come from an eclectic mix of churches, groups, thought, which I've commented on at the very beginning. And some of you may have bought into this kind of message. It's called a prosperity message. It's propagated on many Christian channels, which I'll remain nameless I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to sit in judgment. I'm just trying to teach from the Bible. But let me just be very clear about this prosperity message that basically propagates the thought that if you give, you will get. So if you give to the church, then God will bless it a hundredfold. I'm being naughty now. Sow a seed. I want to say that message propagates the spirit of mammon. That message, that prosperity message from well-meaning people, and I know many people who would hold to this, who, yeah, the, 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 they're Christian brothers and sisters. I don't go to the point that they're, you know, heretics and all, they, they hold a personal view. I will always try to 
challenge their, their thinking? Because this is my thought around this. It propagates the spirit of mammon. Because it says, if you give, you will get. But what it does, it sows greed and selfishness into us. Because it's saying the way to life is to get more. That is not the way to life. And it, and, and it sows this kind of spirit into us rather than sowing more of God into our hearts. You know why we should give? Because God says so. God says so. God says, give to give. <laughs> Just give to give. Here's another thought. I can see this going like a lead balloon. So I try and add a little bit of humor here. God says, give to go. Because all about the giving that God wants to flow through the hands of Christian men and women and ministries is for the whole sole purpose of seeing men and women, boys and girls being saved. So we give to go. We don't give to get, we give to go. And we get to give, which is an amazing thing. And so in the life of Arena Church, we really believe that this is something that is so, so important. And by the way, if you're getting mad with me, it's probably because a little bit of the spirit of mammon has been over you. I've realized that when I've taught this before, people get really, really mad with me. And it's usually because there's a little bit of spirit and you don't realize it. You know, sometimes you have to be faced with truth. You don't know what you don't know and you have to be faced with truth, don't you? And it's not always pleasant and it's not always nice when Caroline has to say some things to me, which isn't often because I'm such an angelic person. I don't like the confrontation of truth. But we have to work. We have to work through it. And very often we can get mad. People can also get mad when things go wrong because they've lived this message that God wants to bless them and favor them, which he does, and they've given to get. And so what happens is when something goes wrong, because it will, and when something breaks down, and it will, you think you have a divine right of blessing and favor. You don't. Stuff happens. And really what Jesus is trying to say to the people, he's trying to say to us today is, who's your Lord? Is, is, it, is it mammon or is it, or is it me? Verse 13, Jesus says, I'll just go from the Bible again. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you will stand devotedly by the one and despise the other. Wow, this is strong language. And he is most definitely talking about money. See, mammon wants to take the place of God. It promises everything that only God can give. Your identity, your security, your significance, your happiness, your joy. Mammon will speak and will say, I can give you all these things, but I want to declare confidently, and for those who don't know the Lord, I need you to know today, I'm speaking lovingly. God says, I am your source. I am your identity. I am your significance. I am your happiness. I am your joy. Only God can give us lasting peace, joy, and love. Can I hear an amen from some people who know it? It's true. It's true. Only, yeah, come on, guys. If we're going to do it, let's do it. And it breaks something. See, Mammon wants to rule you. 
let me just finish by saying this. If any of you have ever said these kind of statements, and I have, if I had more money, people would listen to me. If I had more money, then I would be happier. If I had more money, my marriage would be better. And the biggest lie of all, if I had more money, I could help more people. Let me tell you, money doesn't help people, God does. You didn't hear a deaf man, a lame bloke, coming to Jesus and saying, we need your help. And Jesus says, guys, just open the purse and give him a few quid. He'll be all right. No, it was only God who has the power to help people's lives. Let me tell you, if you buy the lie that if you will accumulate and get riches and stuff, you will be helped. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Only God can help us. And I, want, I have a confidence that God will help in us. In, in the time that I've been living, God has never, that's why I can sing that song. God will never, ever, 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 ever let me down. Never, ever, I'll say it again. Never, ever, ever has God ever, ever, ever let us down. Even in the area of finance. And some people have said this to you before, would look on now, because when you start out, you have nothing. And by the way, you start out usually having nothing, but it's even worse when you're in ministry and you're starting out, because yeah. literally we had nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And people could look on now and say, oh, they've got so much. Let me say, God has been very good to us, but in the early days, we had nothing, yeah. nothing. Yeah. Or very, that's not true, actually, because you go to Africa, they have nothing. You go to India, they have nothing. We had something, but we didn't have a lot of, yeah. you understand? But even in those days, God never failed us. God never, ever, ever let us down. I want to say the worship of mammon shows up in many, many ways. If you wanted to think through whether you have this, well, just work through this list. Do you have a continual lust for more money? Do you envy others' wealth? Are you anxious over unmet needs? Do you disobey God's directive about money? Are you thinking out of balance about wealth? They may be some indicators that the small g of mammon has got a little grip or a big grip in your heart. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 says this, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves money is never satisfied <laughs> with their income. This is how I know, just an example. I, I, I remember when we first, we'd gone from ministry. Was, we've always been in ministry, but I started a business. And I remember just thinking to myself, because I was earning 100 pound a week. And our mortgage was for, mortgage and rent, we had a shared ownership, was over 400 pounds a month. So Caroline was working in the nursery, earning about 300 pound-ish. No, you was earning more than me, weren't you? So he was slightly, I think you were about 480. I was earning about 400. So, so you know, and, and our mortgage payments wiped out half of it because we lived in the south of England it's tough and um you know so it was it was a really really challenging I'm trying to think where I'm going with this oh yeah I know income I know no it's, it's important and and I remember I remember serving the Lord and we were serving the Lord with gladness and family were very very good to us to do what they could in that time but it's our responsibility no, nobody else's and, you know, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And then the Lord opened up an opportunity for us to get into business. And I remember saying to the Lord, it was sim figures like this. Lord, if we could only earn 
£12,000 a year. Now listen to me, some of you might not even today earn £12,000 a year. So I want to contextualise it, but we're in the south of England. Lord, if we could only earn £12,000 a year, I'd be a millionaire. You know, it was that kind of way. Guess what? Just leave, put that verse back up on again, Chad. Whoever loves money is never satisfied with their income. When we hit 12,000, guess what? I was like the next thing. Oh, if only I could earn 14. And some of you are smiling at me. I mean, just give me a wave if you know what I'm talking about. If I just earn 14, we're 14. If I could only hit 18. Listen, whoever loves money is never satisfied with their income. I'm just trying, I'm not saying, you know, it's not important to earn income. I'm just trying to get the right basis for it. Are you hearing my heart? That, you know, we, we want, we don't want to be gripped by this stuff because this is like, oh, it's heavy stuff. We want to be Secondly, is money evil? Well, I've got a short answer and then I just want to unpack it. The answer is no. But I want to say this. Mammon is a spirit. We haven't got time. It's not our subject this morning. But we believe in the spirit realm here. We do. Both good and bad. Both good and evil. There's an invisible realm which if God allowed the curtains for you to just glimpse, for many of you, it would completely freak you out. There are things that are ha- happening in the spiritual realms. The Bible describes them as principalities and powers that operate in the heavenly realms. And mammon was not just a word that they created. It became a spirit that they worshipped. So this spirit of mammon can talk. And for those who aren't sure about that, every time you've been, you know, challenged to just give in an offering and you felt like God's come to you, anybody ever heard a voice? Don't put that money in. Help me to, anybody? Where did that come from? I want to say the spirit talks. Mammon talks. And he says, don't be so daft. Don't put that money in. And I've literally seen people just, you could see it just washing over. There's like, they've heard, and then they've heard another voice. Because mammon talks. Mammon is a spirit that rests on money. All your money in the banks, in the stock market, in shares, in houses, wherever it is, has either the spirit of mammon on it or the spirit of God on it. Now, you may say, well, how do I get them? Because we know about how mammon comes on it. How do we get the Spirit of God on it? By releasing the tithe to God. I'm not going to talk about that today. All I will say is this. As we release the tithe to God, we see that God blesses the 90%. As we give the 10%, God blesses the 90%. In fact, said another way, if we give God the first 10%, then God redeems the rest, the 90%. Where from? From the spirit of mammon. Now, we are testimony to that in this church now. Because I was talking with Neil Simpson. I don't know where Neil, Neil, Neil's there. Neil, we were just having, a, uh, having food together, weren't we, during the week with some of the other leaders. 
And we just got reminiscing, reminiscing about where we've come from as a church, reminiscing about, really, we shouldn't have bought the Mansfield building, should we, Neil? First time you're ever on a message now, mate, so, you know, I'm going to keep, because he's, he's not one who wants to get up here. But we're reminiscing about how we shouldn't have had that building in Mansfield because we had 30 people and we had no money. But as we trusted God and some very faithful people just released some deposits money to be able to be a seed, we were able to find the finance and now we own the building. Yes, Neil? And it's remarkable. But I want to say it started before then because we, we, we have for numbers of years tithed on our income. You saw last January, tithe on our income. We've sowed both locally, regionally, nationally and internationally. We knew that God was asking us. So as we asked the people to be generous, we wanted as a church to be generous. We wanted to sow it away. The 2020 vision offering that we'll be talking about in a, in a few weeks' time is all from this point of how can we bless our neighbours? How can we bless the nations? How can we trust? people how can we release more into the kingdom of God can I hear a big amen? amen so we started there that's when God took what was our 90% and then God redeemed the 90% and it became like elastic we just like said wow God what are you doing it's amazing and this is what happens you break the curse over our finances because there's a spirit that can rest on it. Now, money is neither neut- is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. So in itself, it's not evil. But 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says this, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Did you hear that? It didn't say money. It says the love of money. Where does this love come from? The spirit of mammon creates this you know, thirst for more and more and more and riches and riches and riches and to please ourselves. It's true. This is New Testament. This is Paul speaking to his son in the faith and saying, you need to get this downloaded to the churches, Timothy. Because it's the love of money. It's the root of all kinds of evil. Let's carry on. Some people who are eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I've, I've never taught on this before, but just to say, loving and serving man is the root of all evil and it has caused many to trip, fall, wander and fail into despair and grief. Wow, that's the Bible. That's not my words. People have tripped up. Why? Because they've been eager and they've had the love of money. The spirit of mammon has been resting over their finances and over their lives and has took hold of them because they bowed down and they've worshipped at their, at their bank statement. They've worshipped at the share prices. They've worshipped at how many properties they have. They've worshipped at all the accumulation of what they have. And they've tripped themselves up. So it's not evil. It's neutral, but it has to be handled. And lastly, three questions I forgot to say I was going to ask. What is mammon? Is it evil? So what should we do? That's the third question. So what shall we do? Because it's no good me telling you this. And they say, well, what what do I do with that? Pam's asking, well, what do I do? Well, what do I do, Christian? Help me. Debbie's thinking, well, that's great, Christian, but what do I do with it? Well, let me just try and help you to understand wherever you're at. I want to just say to you, be a good steward. Be a good steward. 
Now, some of you are here today and you're saying, Pastor or Christian, I have so little of this mammon to be concerned with this message. If that's your, I, I, have so, I have so little. You're talking about stocks and shares and houses. and I have so little to be bothered with this message. Can I lovingly just say to you that your thinking is wrong? Even if you have so little. Some of you young people who may not have understood everything that I've gone on with, but even you guys, if you can grab this as a young person, it will be helpful. Because the Bible, Jesus teaches this truth in these verses that we read. He says this, whoever is faithful... In a very little thing, verse 10, is also faithful in much. So if you only have literally the money that you're stood up in or the money that's in your purse, then you've got to learn to be faithful in that. And then God will give you much. Are you understanding this? You say, I have have so little tithe. Well, that's fine. The little tithe that you have... Honor God with it. And then God may begin, not because you're giving to get, because you give to give and you want to live out the principles and please him. And if God so looks on with favor, because I know some incredibly, incredibly wealthy people who love God as much, sometimes more than we do. And they're not bothered by the stuff that they've got. Genuinely, don't all think rich people are bad people. They're not. Many of them, there's numbers of them, and they're getting redeemed by the bucket load, are literally using their wealth and leveraging their wealth for the glory of God. But they learned what to do with a little, and then God blessed them, so they were now handling much. Can I hear a big amen? I believe, I just speak over some of you business guys and business girls, that God would bless you. God would bless you where you are. You would be faithful in what you have. And then if it's right in God's time, he will stoop down and make you great. I pray that many of you who are just starting the the journey of leadership, that actually the little that you have, you would be faithful in it. And then God would begin to add to you because you have been faithful in the little. Can I hear a big amen for those who receive that to their heart? So this is what we should do with our money. We should be faithful student, uh, uh, servants and stewards of it. Very quickly, because time is gone. I go back to when I was, I think, 11 or 12. I've told this story before. I can't remember the last time I told it here. But there was a time, well, thank you, when we went to um, a camp uh, called Peterborough Bible Week. Peterborough Bible Week. And there were so many, many well-known speakers that used to come through there. And the church that I was part of, they used to take a contingent and were all out in tents and all the rest of it. And it was great because there was one particular year that my mum and dad weren't going. So that made it even more exciting because I was with a group of lads and it was just thought, great, there's going to be loads of girls there and there's going to be loads of sports activities and we'll get some meetings as well. It was fantastic. I'm probably 12, 13 actually. And we were, we were there and I was in the first meeting. The, this, some of the details are sketchy, but the, the spirit of this story is absolutely correct. I think it was five pounds. That's where I don't know the details, but it was certainly every pound that I had. It wasn't a pound. I think it was five pounds. The first service that I'm in, and they just said, look, we would just want to take an offering. And I don't know whether they was going to give it away or it was going to help the cover the cost. I don't know. But I'm as a young guy in the service. I'd worship God like we've done this morning. 
And, and, and I'm not asking us to do that because we're going to give of an offering in, in, in a minute. But in that moment, I just felt the Spirit of God talk to me and say, give what you've got into the, into the offering. And that's why I'm sure it was only five quid because we got the food. It was more for tuck shop. They want anything else to really buy on it because all the games and activities. So, but it was tuck shop. It was sweets. It was coke. It was all that kind of stuff that afterwards. And I thought, you know, I, 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 need, I need to get God's blessing uh, on me and I want to be obedient. So I just took the five pounds and put it in the offering. So I've given away all that I've got for that week. And I, I can't even think that I was thinking, oh, what I'm going to do. I just thought, well, I'll get, I'll get through. I'm productive enough. I'll, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll be all right. But my dad, and he's still to this day, never had cash on him. Never carried money. If you wanted anything, it was always mom, can I? My dad never had anything on him. He'd go, well, I don't know, ask your mom. You know, it was one of those kinds of moments. And they came in. I'm pretty sure it was on the Monday. They just came through for the day probably just to keep an eye on me and my brother, just to make sure we were behaving ourselves because we used to get up to mischief. I know it's hard to believe, but we, you know, did. but anyway. But on this particular occasion, it's never happened to me before or, or since. As we go in, we just said bye to my dad, gave him a hug and to my mom, and my dad just reached into his pocket and he went, Christian, here, just use this for the week. I think it was a tenner. Now, I'm not saying, God, remember, I didn't give to get. I just gave to give. And I'm pretty sure it was multiplied, doubled. But the most amazing thing of this story is I was learning a principle as a young guy. That I wanted to be a good steward with my finances. I wanted to believe that actually God could take my money and redeem it. And today... It may be that you need to begin the journey of saying, how can I take the money, get mammon off my money, and begin to be a blessing to others? I want to say, as a result of those commitments that we've made, I honestly say this, we became a blessing to our family, to the church, and to, to others. Why? Because I think we've proved to be faithful with the tithe. Luke 16, verse 12, as I finish Jesus says, and if you've not been faithful in the use of that earthly wealth, which belongs to another, whether God or man, and of which you are a trustee, who will give you that which is your own? Remember, God reserved the 10%, and he, it was holy and consecrated and set, set apart to God. But there are some people who use that 10% for themselves. They keep it. This is the Bible language. They steal it from God. And God says to you, if you do that, how can you be trusted with me giving you more than what you presently have? Luke 16, verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of earthly wealth, mammon, who will entrust you with true riches? And as I close, I want to say this to you. As we understand what mammon is, as we understand... The root of money is it evil. We said no. As we understand what we've got to do, how do we use it? What do I do with it? As we release this to God and say, God, I want you to be over my finances. 
I believe that God, and as we work out the steps, I honestly believe that God will entrust to us true riches. Now, let me help you to understand this. When I read this years ago, I thought true riches was more money. It's not. It's people. True riches are not money. Why would it be true riches to God? True riches are people. The most valuable thing in the world are people. You're much more valuable. Don't get offended with me. Please don't stop coming uh, this morning. I want you to come. You're much more valuable. Just, just, I'm not saying disregard my message. You understand, but you're much more valuable. I don't want to fall out with you. I don't want to fall out with you. But I honestly believe my conviction is that if we will live out these principles, then we will live in the blessing, not just of true riches financially, but more than that, true riches of people. God says, I'm going to entrust more people to Arena Church. As those people handle their finances well, as they worship me, I'm going to pour more people into them. I'm going to give them more people. I'm going to help them to plant in more places. I'm going to help them to reach more broken people. I'm going to help them to reach rich people and poor people and blacks and whites and poor and rich and broken and those put together. All kinds of people. Can I hear a big amen? That's what he says. And that's the big test. So we believe in this as a year of multiply and that multiplication is influence and people. Honestly, I believe that heaven is populated and hell is plundered by our offerings. Some of you have given to God and you're going to get a tap on the shoulder in heaven and saying, I'm here as a result of your giving because you sowed into Slovakia, you sowed into Albania, you sowed into, sowed into Kenya and you sowed into Namibia, I believe we're now giving into. And we've sowed into the community, broken people and you'll never get to know them but you said your money was the very pound that enabled me to find Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. I think that's worth celebrating. That is what we're talking about. 